0: I uh, draw your attention this morning, my friends, to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. You'll find that on page 706 if you're using a copy of the scripture under the seat in front of you. This is known as the Great Commission, a passage that I'm sure you are very familiar with. We've been uh, doing a couple of weeks study now and about uh, four more to go on the commandments of scripture that God gives to us to be prepared, always willing, ready, and prepared to speak of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Those that have been given grace, those that have been given the gift of life abundant, now we ought to be about sharing that good news with others. So we started with that, that word in 1 Peter that we're getting our, our uh, title of our series, Always Be Prepared. We moved then into the work that is to be done. The work of going into the world and teaching and preaching the good news of the gospel. And then today, friends, we do that because Jesus himself gives us the command to do it. This isn't something, friends, that even as we heard from Pastor Belanger, that we have the right to determine if we want to do this or not. This is a command that God gives to us to go into the world and make disciples. And so the question is, for us, are we doing it? Are we obeying the very command that our Savior gives to us? Let's then look at this command. Let's unpack it so that we might rely on the work of the Spirit to do what it is that He commands us to do. Hear now the word of God. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. And what do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Our Father, you are giving us a command here in your scripture, a command that we have already confessed that we fail to obey, but also a command that you promised to empower us by the Spirit to do. So open our eyes now to behold this command and the beauty of doing what it is that you've commanded us to do by the power and work of your Spirit, we ask. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please, friends, be seated. (coughs) W.E. Sangster was a pastor back in the 40s and 50s and 60s of Queen Street Church in England. He preached a series, much like I'm doing this uh, today and the past couple of weeks and the next few to come, on the need of the Church of Jesus Christ to be in the world speaking the hope of the hope that we have, sharing the good news of the gospel. One particular man was in his church and was convicted by the work of the Spirit that he needed to do better at sharing his faith. He was a local barber in town, and it came to him that he had a captive audience. When there was a a gentleman seated in his chair, uh, he had a captive audience to share the gospel with that individual, and so he made a commitment to himself and before God that this was a work that he was going to start doing. In obedience to the command that God had given in Scripture, he was going to be faithful in sharing the gospel with everybody who sat in his barber chair. The next day he made his way to his shop. Early on a gentleman came in, asked for a straight edge shave. He lathered him up. He turned around with a razor in his hand and said, Sir, are you ready to meet your maker? It's, it's said that the man ran up out of the chair all the way down the street, still lathered up with shaving cream all over his face. Friends, we have a command. We have a command here in Scripture. The way we obey that command might be seen differently. It might be seen this way instead of that way. Certainly, this is not our, uh, our, our mode of taking a, a straight-edge razor and convincing someone that they need to bow the knee to their Maker. But we do have a a plan and a pattern, right? All of these sermons are connected, friends. That's what preaching and teaching is all about, that we talked about last week. But you'll remember the passage that we looked at last week earlier in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus gave us the plan and he gave us the pattern. He tells us how it is that we are to go into the world and speak of the hope that we have. We're to go in the world preaching and teaching and healing, soul healing, as we said last week. ...because of the pattern that we follow that is His pattern. That we love individuals. We love those that the Lord puts in front of us. That we burn down deep for them. Our affection for them to see them come to Christ. Because we're thinking about them, knowing what awaits them... ...apart from Christ as we are praying for them. That is the plan and the pattern. And now we have this command to take that plan and that pattern... ...and to go into the world and make disciples it's very interesting to me friends listen here these are the last recorded words that we have from our Savior in the Gospel account the last words go and make disciples baptizing and teaching them all that I have taught you the first words that we have in Jesus from Jesus in the Gospel account Matthew's Gospel account is this come Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now doesn't it stand to reason if Jesus' first words were, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And his last words were, Go and make disciples. And all in between, we see the plan and the pattern that this is exactly what Jesus has been doing. Doesn't it stand to reason that this is a very important part for us to understand? A command that God gives to us, that Christ gives to us, Fishers of men, go and make disciples. He began his earthly ministry with these words. He ended his earthly ministry with these words. Ought we not to give full attention to these words? It is the command that God gives to us. Always be willing and prepared. It is the exclamation point. It is the imperative in Greek, which means it is the command of God, not something that we ponder and we think, Am I going to do this or not? Should I do this this way or that way? He gives us the command to go into the world and make disciples following his pattern. The question then is, are we doing that? Did you catch the word that's repeated by Jesus in the passage? There is a word repeated no less than three, some say even four times, and it is the word all. All authority, all people, all nations, And I am with you at all times. It is this this connection to all that, that we now have this command. Understanding what God is doing, what He equips us to do by the power of His Spirit, we begin with the first all that Jesus says All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Isn't that strange? Have you ever stopped to think about that? Why would Jesus say that all authority has been given to him? This is the second person of the Trinity. This is God in the flesh. Wouldn't he already have all authority? Sinclair Ferguson does a wonderful wonderful work at exegeting this particular point. Now let me share a couple of things with you that I learned as I studied him this particular week. Think about where we are in redemptive history. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning... In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God creates man out of the dust of the earth, the lowest form of the earth. He takes dust and He creates man. And then He takes the rib out of man and He creates woman. And then what does He say to them? He says, I am giving you all authority. You are going to be my vicegerents, you are going to be my representatives. Because I have created you in my likeness and in my image, I am giving you all authority over all of creation, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the fowls, the mountain, or the, the flowers. Everything is under the authority of mankind that has been humankind that has been created in his likeness and in his image. But then we get to Genesis chapter three, doggone it. <laughs> And you know what that says, right? They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did what they were not supposed to do. Acting as our first parents, we are now created in sin, original sin. Nobody has to teach us our nature. Our nature is that we love the darkness more than the light. We already sin, and from original sin come actual sins. We then begin to do the things that we're not supposed to do, to think what we're not supposed to think, to not do what we are commanded to do. And that authority was marred, that image was marred, that authority was gone, it was lost. But God didn't wipe us out, he didn't wipe our first parents out. Because of his grace, he could have, right? He could have said, Adam, Eve, I told you not to do it, and you did it. I'm done, I'm done with the likes of you, but he doesn't do that. In Genesis 3.15... We have what's called the Proto-Uangelion, the first gospel. And that is God promises that he is going to send one who is going to crush the head of Satan. So we have this gospel account that someone is coming. He is going to come and he's going to have power. He's going to have authority. He's going to crush the head of Satan. So we have one plan. God has one plan A for the redemption of mankind. And the first part of that plan comes from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the end of Malachi. From the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the Old Testament, they're looking forward to this one who would come in all authority. It's exactly now then why at the end of This gospel account of Matthew that Jesus would say, now here's the next part of the plan. One plan, the beginning, look forward to one coming, but now Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. That which was lost in the Garden of Eden is now fulfilled in me. I have all authority. It has been given to me now to rule and to reign ...over all that I have created. Friends, listen. This is great news for us. See, we haven't even gotten to the command yet. And Jesus says, it is by grace that people are going to be saved. It is by grace alone that people are going to be saved. Because the authority that you are claiming and proclaiming is not your own. It is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ... And on his authority now, we get the command. We go into the world always willing, ready, and prepared to speak of the hope that we have of making disciples because of his authority, the power that's at work within us, the power of the Spirit. We are saved by grace, so it is not notches on our belt or check marks on our list that we go out and we are faithful in proclaiming the gospel. We go out by the power, the authority of the one who has been given that power and authority, Jesus Christ Himself. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, He says, and gives us now the second all. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or of all people. Now, let's put this into perspective. Back in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus had called the first words, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, as he called his disciples to himself, he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 4, he says, you go and you share the good news, the gospel, with the Israelites, with the Jews only. Do not go to the Gentiles. And that's the way they began. But now at the end of the gospel account, he's saying now all authority has been given to me because I've been raised to new life. I bore your sin in my body on the cross. I died for that sin. I rose victorious for that sin. All authority is given for me. to me. Now go to all people, all nations. What starts in the Garden of Eden with one individual family, Adam and Eve... Throughout the Old Testament becomes one elect family, the Jew, into the New Testament, uh, no, 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 one individual family, Adam and Eve, one ethnic family, the Jew, one elect family, the Jew and the Gentile alike. There is no difference between male and female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. Once there was the uncircumcised and the circumcised, but God had always intended that these would come together in Christ, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. That's where we are now in redemptive history. Jesus says, all authority and power is mine, and I'm going to give you now power by the work of the Spirit to go into the world to make disciples of all people, Jew and Gentile alike. And How do we do that? Well, he tells us. Go and make disciples by baptizing them and by teaching them. Now notice how he begins in verse 16. He calls the 11 disciples to himself. Judas has hanged himself in this part of redemptive history because of his sin of disobedience and unbelief. He he has hanged himself and now there are 11 disciples because Matthias had not yet been chosen... And also the Apostle Paul had not met Jesus on the road to Damascus as of yet. So he calls the eleven disciples to himself and Jesus gives instruction to the eleven, to those that are set apart in an office, but the fulfillment of that or the application of that in verse 18, through you, now we're going to make disciples of all nations. So the application is for all nations given to, uh, to the, the eleven disciples. In our constitutional documents, friends, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Book of Church Order, what we say is baptizing is done by one who is duly ordained, set apart, set apart with the laying on of hands. It is my privilege then, as a minister of the gospel, to apply water to individuals for the washing away of sin. The application then is for all of the saints. It is my job... To be certain that you are baptized. Not because baptism saves us. We certainly do not believe that. But because we believe that God promises this introduction into his covenant family marked by the washing away of our sin. The cleansing of his people. And so that's what we are commanded to do. Go into the world, preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel and seeing to it that individuals are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Never one time in the Old Testament do we read the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here we are, at this redemptive history change, when Jesus now says, I rose victorious, all authority now has been given to me. I am reigning and ruling, giving you power to do what I'm commanding you to do. And he gives us the name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Never in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, the the Jew wouldn't even mention the name, wouldn't even put Yahweh on his lips because the name was too holy. He called him Adonai, which means Lord or Master, instead of Yahweh. But now we have, Jesus says, you go and baptize, be certain that they're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Father is the author of our salvation. The Son is the accomplisher of our salvation. And the Spirit is the applier of our salvation. Now, the Spirit dwelling within us because of Pentecost Sunday that we will celebrate in a few weeks, the Spirit reigns and dwells within us. And we have power, not our own power, but the power of Christ. And so when individuals... Now, it's grace, friends. It's all grace. So when we go into the world and we're proclaiming the good news of the gospel, we're saying to you, the invitation is for you to come and have your sins washed away, not by us, but by the one who has all authority and all power, Jesus the Christ, the very one who died for you. And then we're also called to teach you see, Do you see this teaching? It's, it's not about what I know. Uh, it's not head knowledge that gives me salvation. But Jesus calls me savingly to himself. God the Father, who is the author of my salvation, now has secured that salvation through Christ the Accomplisher, the one who died on the cross, and now applied it by God the Holy Spirit. And when individuals see that, the scales fall from their eyes. They are drawn into this saving relationship Marked with water baptism because it is God washing away our sin. And now we begin this sanctification process. Now we begin growing in our understanding. What we know does not save us. Christ saves us. And from that salvation, once that water is applied and our sins are washed away, now it is our responsibility to learn, to teach, to be taught. Let me put it this way. Don't answer the question, okay? Let me just ask it. It's rhetorical. But think about it. Can a person be justified and not be sanctified? Can a person be justified, meaning his sins are forgiven, his or her sins are forgiven, true forgiveness, and not be sanctified? That's growing in grace or dying to sin and living to righteousness. Can a person be justified and not be sanctified? No, A thousand times no. Jesus said by their fruit you are going to know them. Our ability to cognitively think that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Abraham Lincoln lived. George Washington lived. Jesus Christ lived. I'm a Christian. No. Or I walked the aisle 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I never did anything other than that. But now I'm on my deathbed. But oh, doggone it, I walked the aisle 30 years ago. I'm in. No, the Bible knows nothing of that, my friends. It is our command to go into the world to preach, to teach, and to learn, to grow in grace ourselves. That's what Jesus is saying here. Go and make disciples baptizing and teaching them to obey what? Everything that Jesus commands us to know. It's all about grace. It's all about this relationship that we have with this Savior. Friends, if you are here today and Jesus has worked salvation in your life, you can't help but say, speak the good news that you have. You can't help but tell others. Just like the, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who went back into town and said, come, I want to tell you about this man who told me everything about me. He's the Savior. Come, I want you to meet him. That's what our life ought to be like, that we're always willing, ready to speak of the hope that we have making disciples. Now the syntax is important here, friends. Let me just explain it very briefly to you. The word go in verse 19 is a participle in Greek that's the ing word actually literally translated it would be going the phrase make disciples is the imperative it is the exclamation point it is the command because it is Christ's emphasis he is emphasizing our command to make disciples in our going the command is not on go the command is on making disciples Which means this, in our going, in our going here, there, and everywhere, in anything that we do, in any place that we are, the cubicle, or the office, or the grocery store, or the HOA meeting, or the soccer mom meeting, or wherever it is, in our going, in our living of life, the command is make disciples by baptizing and teaching. So there's the command. For all people, go into the world. Share the good news with all people. Instead of looking at that individual with the burqa on and saying, ah, that Muslim. They need the gospel. We have the good news. We have the answer. All individuals need the good news. You and me included. Because we are teaching this. And as we're teaching, we're being taught growing in grace day after day after day. I can't even stand still. This is so exciting that God actually uses broken jars of tre- clay, treasure uh, uh, like you and me, uh, to, to to use to 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 bring the gospel to others. Did you read that in the in the um, assure, or the affirmation or the assurance of parting grace passage? That it's as if God is speaking through us. It is God speaking through us as we speak of the hope that we have, what we have already been given. We can't help but. Speak. And we do it at all times. There's the last all. All authority in heaven and on earth, he says, has been given to me. So now with that authority, you go and make disciples of all nations. And then he gives us this beautiful promise, the last verse. Surely I am with you at all times. Friends, listen, listen, listen to the words of your Savior The word surely is actually the same word translated listen. Listen, Jesus says. Jesus is speaking to you today through his word. He says, listen. I'm giving you this command, but you are not going into the world alone. There is nothing to fear. Nothing to fear because he is never going to leave us There is nothing to doubt, even as we read at the beginning, some worshipped him and some doubted. There is nothing to doubt because he is with us always. In matter of fact, the very divine appointment that he gives to you to speak of the hope is not your doing. It's because he's done it for you. Even evangelizing is because he does it for us, through us. There is nothing to fear, nothing to doubt. Every divine appointment that you have is an appointment that Christ gives to you and he speaks to you. Listen. Speak. And I have never left you. I'm still with you. The language is important as well, my friends. Surely I am with you. It is the Greek ego, a me. You heard those phrases before? (laughs) Literally translated, in your going... Make disciples, and I, I am with you. Ego, I, ego, a me, I am. I, I am with you. He is sealing it to our conscience twice. He says, I, I am. The same I am, remember back with Moses in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus? Who should I say sent me? You tell him the great I am sent you. He, he's speaking to you today. He has all authority and all power. He is giving you a command. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I, I am with you even to the very end of the age. It's it's a gospel sandwich, friends. The top piece of bread, all authority, Jesus Christ. The bottom piece of bread, he's with us at all times. And the command is in the middle. Go and make disciples of all nations. Grace alone. Do you see it? Do you capture it? Have you wrapped your arms around it? It's by grace alone. All authority. I'm with you at all times. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to doubt. They cannot take away our resurrection. And so we go into the world speaking of the hope that we have. All right. Let me put it all together with this. Consider that piece of property right across the street. It's a bare piece of property right now. Let's say for some reason that some guy who is a shoe manufacturer comes in and buys that piece of property across the street and he works through the city to get that zoned for a shoe manufacturing place. He builds a beautiful building He furnishes it with beautiful equipment. He hires lots of people to come be employees to make shoes for him. He even creates this great big shoe to put up on top of the building so that everybody who drives by knows that this is a shoe manufacturing place like Nebraska Furniture Mart has that great big chair out front. He's got a great big shoe on the top because he's a shoe manufacturer and he gives to his manager the command, now make me some shoes so that I can make some money and he leaves. Two years later, he comes back. How many shoes have we made? Oh, well, we haven't made any shoes yet. We've been hard working, though. We've been really... We have had some wonderful team exercise, some team-building exercises where we have really come together and, 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 and developed this team. And we have spent a lot of time determining what shoes we like and what shoes we don't like. And we want to make these shoes, but we're not going to make these kinds of shoes. And we're hopeful that any day now we're going to make a pair of shoes. Now, how do you think that would fare? Now, cross the street... And there's a building on the corner with a steeple that pierces the heavens. And on the top of that steeple is a ball, the world. And on top of that ball is the cross. Christ over the world, all authority has been given to me. And he gives us the command to go and make disciples. How are we doing? Are we still in business? Would we be in business Another 15, 20 years from now? All authority. All people. I. I am with you always. What a gospel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the command that you give to us in scripture. That we are to go into the world and make disciples. Not based on our authority or our ability even. But in obedience to your command, you have called us to go. Those who have been given hope, to speak of the hope that is ours. So Father, we beseech you by the power of your Holy Spirit to fill us with that Spirit, equip us, that we might see every opportunity as a divine appointment to do what you have commanded us to do. Not saying to ourselves, oh, I'll get around to it eventually. But Lord seeing others with a deep passion, a burn a burn down deep in our soul for them to come to saving faith to the point that we would share this good news, how you have brought us to yourself and how you promised to do it for others as well. Would you do that? Would you cause there to be a line at the font of those who are desiring to be baptized, to have their sins washed away because of our obedience to your faithfulness in drawing people to yourself. Do that work, please, we pray, that all of your elect would come to saving faith. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're seated on the inside of the row, would you grab that black pad under the seat in front of you, please, and print all of the information requested there and pass it down to everyone seated on your row. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're delighted that you're here inside the offering plate or one of these, a little flyer of information about our church. Please grab one. We hope it answers all of your questions. If not, call us here at the church office. We're happy to answer any of those questions. And also we're going to ask you to turn to hymn number 453. Remain seated, please. We're going to sing in response to the grace that we have been given, all authority and power. You'll know the tune, hymn number 453. Let's respond.